you suddenly see the Red Sea parting in front of you and you want to come closer to the front, you're welcome. <laughs> but it is funny when the kids leave, it's suddenly like, wow, is this all that's left? <laughs> normally you can do it subtly because you normally after worship, you'd be like, oh, I can sit closer now. But if you guys want to move a bit closer, you can. But... <laughs> So this morning, there's a reason I wanted to do it this way around. And this is not the norm, but this is what God asked me to do. And, and the last time we preached first and worshiped afterwards, it was Jethro's turn to preach. And I remember halfway through the sermon, and I was like, shame, Jethro, I'm so sorry that I did that to you. Because it is hard to break ground when people are just, they've just arrived and they're sitting. And, and so I want to pray for us quickly, and then I'll explain what's going on. But Father God, I want to thank you that you have a plan. I want to thank you, Father God, that you have something that you want to do this morning and that you have hearts that you want to shape. And I want to pray for each person here right now, Lord. Just for your life, for your love, God. Come and soften what you need to soften. Come and open the cracks of our hearts where you want to, God. I want to pray that you'll dig deep into us so that you can bury the seed deep within us, God. That we might not just listen and bloom immediately and then wither, but that the seed might go deep, grow roots within us, God, and reshape us forever. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, I felt God wanted to talk about abiding. And for those of you who don't know what abiding is, don't worry. It will become very clear what abiding is and what abiding isn't. But it's a cool word, and I, I don't want to try and translate it. But, but this morning, if you want to give a title, if you're taking notes, and you're always welcome to, the title would be Abiding in Jesus. And so I want to start off in a very strange place. And I want to start off with, with a problem. And then I'm going to give you a solution. And so we can start with Ezekiel 15. And even if you're not taking notes, this is going to be great. Because I found this at the end of last year. Ezekiel 15, verse 1 to 8. And it's like the nemesis of John 15. It's like John 15 is Superman, this is Clark Kent, oh no, Clark Kent, sorry, Lex Luthor. But this is the opposite. Now, so let me read it quickly for you. And this is, as I always explain to, to my kids, this is an Old Testament prophet. And what an Old Testament prophet was trying to do was he was trying to hear God and tell God's people what God was saying to them. So as you listen to the scripture, Remember, you are God's people, and this is God's prophet speaking to you. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, how does a grapevine compare to a tree? Is a vine's, whoopsie, <laughs> is a vine's wood as useful as the wood of a tree? You could just wait there for a second. 
So already you might be picking out, if you know John 15, you might start to pick out some parallels. God is talking about a grapevine. This could get quite interesting. All right, we go on. Can its wood be used for making things, like pegs to hang up pots and pans? No, it can only be used for fuel, and even as fuel, it burns too quickly. Vine branches are useless. You'll see now why I'm pausing, but if we go to John 15, which we're not going to go to yet, we can just wait here. But when we get to John 15, Jesus tells us, we are vine branches. (laughs) Where am I going, guys? Vine branches are useless, both before and after being put into the fire. And this is what the sovereign Lord says. The people of Jerusalem are like vine, grapevines growing amongst the trees of the forest. Since they are useless, I've set them aside to be burned. And I will see to it that if they escape from one fire, this is pretty vengeful stuff. I will see to it. God speaking. I will see to it that if they escape from one fire, they will fall into another. When this happens, you will know that I am the Lord. And I will make the land desolate because my people have been unfaithful to me, says the sovereign Lord. If you remember, when Jesus walked the earth, he was walking amongst the Jews. And they were very good at remembering the scriptures of old, especially the educated ones. And so the scripture hit me because I love John 15. I mean, I've used it in weddings to celebrate people. And I read this, and it suddenly hit me. How offensive must it have been when Jesus goes to the people and says, you're a grapevine, you're branches of a grapevine. They're like, what are you talking about? Ezekiel said that God said that that's a bad thing to be. We're useless then. Is that what you're saying? And in a sense, yes, (laughs) we are useless. But let's find out the good news. So we're going to jump straight into John 15. And I'm going to do a fair amount of reading this morning and probably not a lot of talking. Because I'm hoping that God will speak to you himself. And this is not a rebuke. This is is an opportunity to say, this is who I am. And this is who God will make me if I let him. So jumping into John 15. You'll see some parallels, but he tweaks it. He says, I am the true vine. I'm not just a vine. If you go back to Ezekiel 15, what is the use of a vine? Jesus says, I am the true vine. So he's separating himself out. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. 
and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. So if we stop there, sorry, there's a lot of parallels already because in Ezekiel 15, he says, I will cut off the branches. And again, Jesus says, yeah, I will, he will, being God, because in the Old Testament, it was the Father speaking, he will cut off branches. So it's not like Jesus is saying, forget what was said before. He's saying, I'm explaining to you what you didn't understand. That rebuke from Ezekiel, it wasn't a sense of you are useless and you can never be useful because that's not the God that I know. That wasn't his point. This is his point. So we can go on. Thanks, Ben. You have already been pruned for the greater fruitfulness, uh, for the greater fruitfulness by the message I have given you. Remain in me. There are three words I want you guys to walk out of here this morning with. It's those three words. Remain in me. And I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful apart from me. And this is what God was saying through Ezekiel. If you're not in me, Israel, you are not in me. So you can't be fruitful. Because you're not fruitful, you are useless to me. And go on. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me. <laughs> and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What does Ezekiel say? You can't even burn properly. <laughs> I mean, if that's the biggest insult, that's got to be out there. Like Anyone who parts from me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burnt. But if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, you may ask any request you like. And it will be granted. My true disciples produce much fruit. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. So it's a slight deviation. Remain in me. Remain in my love. And just if you go back to the previous verse, you'll see here he jumps and he says, so if you remember in the beginning, he says, I am the true vine. And now he says, my true disciples. Don't forget that word, true. Keep going. When you obey me, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father. So here he's explaining to you, because the question comes over and over from people, how do I remain in Jesus? Which, which will, the, the, the people kept on coming to Jesus when he walked the earth, and they would say to him, what must we do to be saved? And I'm sure eventually he was like, what do you mean? I've said it so many times. It is so simple. It's a bit like my finance announcement. I mean, my, my foundations announcement. It's like, it is so simple. All you have to do is listen and obey. When you obey me, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, 
your joy will overflow. I command you to love each other in the same way that I loved you. And here is how to measure it. The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. You are my friends if you obey me. I no longer call you servants because the master doesn't confide in his servants. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit that will last so that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. So I'm just going to pause there for a second. God chose Israel. God chose Abraham. God chose the people of Abraham. God chose each one of you. But he chose you to bear fruit. He chose you to be plugged in. He chose you to listen, obey, and remain. And he chose you to love each other. I said amen. So there's this massive parallel, and it's not a contradiction because God's not confused. He doesn't contradict himself. But he says in one point, if you're in the vine, you're useless, and I'll chop you up and burn you. And then he says through Jesus, he says, if you remain in me, I am the true vine. I will make you fruitful. And it's the same parallel. I've heard somebody preach on sheep before. Of all the animals that God could call us as his followers, I mean, he's the lion, but we're the sheep. I mean, it doesn't feel, it's not like we're going to make an amazing army and we're going to take the world, my sheep. I watched a kid's movie last night, and it was a completely random, obscure scene. But it's just all these sheep roaming around in a pasture in, in I think it was an island. And I'm just like, sheep are useless. They really are useless. And I think it was Luke Hulley that did a sermon on the sheep and, you know, just how they, they can't even protect themselves, really. But that is, that is the example that God uses over and over and over again. He doesn't do it by mistake. He does it because he wants us to want him. And so that, if that is all we take away from this moment. And this is why we're doing the message first and the worship after. Because I want to use worship this morning for each of you to take the chance to say, I don't think I'm plugged in. It's like when you plug your earphones in, but you don't plug them all the way in. It doesn't work. And so you might say, well, I know where the socket is, and, and I'm, I'm kind of available to be plugged in. I know what to do to be plugged in. But I haven't actually plugged myself into the source. That's what we're going to do this morning. Let's go to Ephesians 4.
Why do we want to get plugged in? Why do we want to remain? Why does God, I mean, the best place to be plugged into God is where? Anybody? Everywhere, always, through the church, with the church, in the, wow, guys. (laughs) Where do you want to be more than anywhere else for the rest of eternity? In God's presence, physically in God's presence. So if that's the truth, why aren't we all already in heaven? given us stuff to do because i mean the best place to be plugged in i do not paul says it is better for me to be with jesus it is better for you for me to be here so ephesians 4 verse 11 to 16 he being jesus is the one who gave these gifts to the church and these are people the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and then eventually people like me, the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church. Not the building, not the service, not the way things go, or, or did we have things right, or was the, was the instrument in tune? The church The body, that's you guys. We are here for you. And you are here for me. We are here to build each other up. It goes both ways. To be equipped. Why are we equipped? Go on. Until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and full-grown in the Lord measuring up to the full stature of Christ. You can stay there. But Paul here talks about unity. If we're all plugged into the same vine, because there is only one vine that actually has life, and that's the true vine of Jesus. If we're all plugged into the same source, there must be unity. We must be together. All right. Then... We will no longer be like children, which is ironic because Jesus said, be like children. And again, Jesus said, have the faith of children. But he also at another point said, be wise as serpents. And Paul says, then we will no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different. If this was not written for today... I don't know what was. There are so many scary messages coming out of the church. Kate was telling me a new one that she found yesterday called the Deconstructed Christianity. Never heard of it before. Every day there are new lies coming out of the church. Not even out of the world, out of the church. And for us to be mature, we need to be plugged into God and plugged into each other. Otherwise, we're going to every day wake up and be like, what's today's trend? Oh, cool. That sounds like it could be Jesus. I guess I'll follow that. Maybe he got confused last week. 
we cannot be the children that are changing our minds about what we believe just because we've heard somebody say it or because someone has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. Instead, we will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly, and every part, and this is something I preached a couple of months ago, that's you. When it says every part, it's talking about you. You might be the toe, you might be the elbow, you might be the eye. Some of you are good enough to be the face. The whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So if we stop there for a second, what is that telling us? It's telling us that if you are not fully plugged into who God wants you to be, we cannot be who God wants us to be. It's quite scary. But that's how much God wants to be with us, that he's willing to let his bride look a bit funny, a bit disfigured for a time to give us the grace to accept and step into what God has for us. But he doesn't wait forever. Eventually, he will move on and use somebody else to do it. But he's full of grace. He's full of mercy because he wants you to do everything that God has for you. So that you can make us healthy and grow. So I'll come back to it. In the beginning, Ian said, abide in Jesus. A little bit later, Ian said, remain in Jesus. Remain in Jesus' love. If you want to mature, and if you want to look like Jesus, you need to follow Jesus. You need to pick up your cross every day. You need to die to the things of you that made sense yesterday, but aren't who God has called you to be. And it's hard. It is so, so hard. Jethro and Anella gifted us temporarily, I know, don't worry, with a keyboard a week or so ago. It feels like it's been months, but it's been like a week, I think, because I hear that thing every day. And it was just through a conversation. We were hanging out, we were chatting, and we were talking about, I think Kate was talking about how she wants to learn to play the keyboard. And, and Jethro was like, but I've got a keyboard that's just literally gathering dust. I don't even know if it works, but you can have it. You can, you can use it. And it is sitting in Gracie's bedroom. And morning and night, literally morning and night, because our house is not big, we can hear it. Morning, at least it's not a drum set. <laughs> if Zach ever says anything, I'm sorry, no. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> but morning and night, morning and night, there's Gracie playing. And I can tell you this, I trained musically for more than 10 years. Most people don't know that, I'll keep it a secret. <laughs> 
And, uh, and so when I, when she, we, I never played the keyboard, but when she's like, okay, these are the basics, and we watched a YouTube video, and I picked it up immediately. And so I could play, and she couldn't play. But the basics, I'm saying like chords, guys. I'm not like playing a song. I'm saying chords. And she came to me after a day, and Gracie never gets angry. She is the softest, gentlest, most beautiful soul. And she came to me, and her eyes were on fire. And she couldn't unclench her fists. And she was like, she was trying to sit on the chair, but she was also like, I can't even sit still. I'm so angry. I'm like, what's wrong? I can't get my fingers through this. I'm like, Gracie, it's been three hours. <laughs> and now, and she didn't give up because she could have. I think she was going to. I think she came to me because she wanted to give up. And she didn't. And now she's playing better than me. Because I stopped after three hours. <laughs> because that's all I wanted to show. I just wanted to show her how to get started. And the rest was up to her. That's us. The first time God calls us to do something different, it's hard. I mean, everything in us says don't do it. It's not you. You didn't hear God right. I'm telling you now, it is you. But it's not the old you. It's the you that's remaining in the true vine. That wants to bear fruit. So it takes desire. It takes intention. And unfortunately, according to Acts 2.42, it takes devotion. The things of God do not come easily, but they are easy. Because Jesus' yoke is easy, but it's still a yoke. So I'll give you another example. This is a... Yeah, let me give this example. We have a pear tree in our garden. Um, and I've never pruned the pear tree because it's never borne that much fruit. And then this year, out of nowhere, it's had so much fruit on it that the branches have literally been breaking off in the wind because there's so much fruit. And we couldn't work out why. I never water the thing. I just ignore it. It sits in my backyard, and, and, the, and, and I'm not a pear eater, so I don't water it. I don't look after it. I don't prune it. The birds come and eat from it. It's amazing. But this year, it's been bearing so much fruit. And then I found out this week, I found out why it's bearing so much fruit. Because its root system found an underground pipe. <laughs> it just kind of, trees go wherever they want to. They will go, they know how to find sources of things. And that's what we need to do. If we want to bear much fruit, 
as much fruit as Jesus wants us to bear. We need to find, we need to plug in, we need to be desperate enough to find the source of God. And we've got three options as I'm coming into a land. When Jesus spoke to people, he couldn't help but do miracles. Even in his hometown, he did a few. So like he couldn't do much, but he did a few. I'm like, I'd take a, f- I'd take a few over none. But there was always three types of people listening. There was the disciples. There was the crowd. And if you look in Luke chapter 6, there was the multitude beyond the crowd. And that scares me. And if I think about it, like, there were people that got healed by Jesus but didn't become his disciples. And it scares me about us. We come to church on a Sunday. We listen to a good message. We go to home group on a Wednesday. We interact with God's people. That doesn't mean we're plugged into Jesus. That doesn't mean we're followers of God. We could be the crowd. We could be arriving for what we want, not what God wants. Like I said at the beginning, we get together at 8.30 every Sunday morning. It's not a meeting. It's not compulsory. But it is a question of heart. Am I here for God? Am I here to get what I need for me? Some people come to church because it's the only thing that gets you through the week. It doesn't need to be. You can have so much more than that if you want to. And so as we go into worship, I want you guys to ask yourselves, am I a disciple? Or am I the crowd? Or am I just somebody who has the label but isn't even interested in the commitment? That makes me the multitude. And I'll tell you this, Jesus welcomes all today. All are welcome. But one day, only the disciples will go into his presence. And don't kid yourself. If you think that you are not where God ha- what God ha- walking in what God has for you, don't kid yourself. Make right with God. Not with me. This isn't about Ian. This isn't about Milton even. This isn't even about Josh Jen. Josh Jen is here for 412. 412 is here for the nations. We're here to see the lost saved. We're not here to grow. We're not here to look good. We're here because Jesus told us, go out and make disciples. Here's another scary thought. I saw it this week. My favorite parable, and I've never seen this before, but the parable of the sower. It was interesting. There are four types of seed. Two of them die. Two of them don't. I always thought three died and one brought a harvest. But the first seed falls on the ground and gets picked up by the birds. Those are the people who don't even receive the word of God. They're the multitude. Then you get the people, it lands amongst the rocks, and they they respond to God, but then it quickly dies off. It does die off, the 66. But the third seed, I think, is the trickiest one. The, thie- the, the seed that lands among the thorns. 
the cares of this world, the lure of wealth, the things most of us struggle with, being accepted, being welcomed into the world. I didn't see in the scripture there, it doesn't actually say that that seed died. It says it doesn't, it says it chokes. Which to me, and I could be wrong, but to me it felt when I was reading that this week, it was, you're going to walk in a measure of Christianity. You're going to walk in a measure of the kingdom. But you're not going to walk in the fullness of what God has for you. And that is the difference between being fully plugged in and just knowing where the socket is. And so I'm not going to put up the scripture, Acts, Acts 2. We don't have to put it up. But, but most of you will know Acts 2. And I want to say this. Um, the fruit is not the goal. So in Acts 2.42, it talks about prayer. It talks about fellowship. It talks about breaking bread. It talks about meeting in each other's homes. That is, that's the fruit. But the goal is Jesus. Start with Jesus, end with Jesus. The fruit will take care of itself. And so we're going into, we're going into a season now as Milneton where God is speaking to Jethro and I and other elders outside of, of Milneton. He's talking about the things that we need to build up and grow. There are weak areas that we need to work on. So there's foundations coming. But there are other things we're going to touch on in the, in the cup next couple of weeks. Prayer, prophecy. The Sabbath and resting, worship, leadership, Bible study, meeting together as men, meeting together as ladies, meeting together as moms. There are all these different things that God is putting his hand on that he's saying to Jethro and I, I want you to help the congregation grow into the maturity and fullness of what I had for them. And so that's coming. first and last and in everything don't get caught in the busyness get caught in jesus so we were doing the baptism on wednesday and uh it wasn't a good day to be at the beach <laughs> the, w the, w the waves were rough the sky was cloudy the water was warm i actually enjoyed the water but it actually got quite tricky at one point. I went in, as I was walking in, Kate knowing better than me, she says to me, don't you want to take your glasses off? And I'm like, I'll be fine. I'm not getting baptized. <laughs> Twice in the space of a minute, I almost lost my glasses because the waves were here. They were here, and then they were here, and then they were there. Eventually, when Mal went under, I think we were at like ankle deep. It was like, uh oh, like, <laughs> get in there. <laughs> it got crazy. And I remember just before we went in, Eddie said to me, because he's a surfer, he knows the ocean. And he looks at me and he's, and, and I didn't have a wetsuit on, for those of you that haven't seen the photos. And he looks at me and he says, What did you say? Um, be quick and be done, or be quick and get out. 
and I remember as Eddie said that to me, Jesus said to me, not going to happen. <laughs> and there were times when we were standing in those waves, and I even joked with Mel, and I was like, this would be a lot easier in a swimming pool. <laughs> but God was in it, and God wanted us to do this. But the interesting thing I felt was God said to me, when you're getting stuck into him, there are times when you're going to feel overwhelmed. And you're going to feel like times where the waves of God even might be crashing over your head. Ian and Jephthah are saying we must do this or we must do that or we must think about that or we must pray about this. And there's just so much. And you might start to feel overwhelmed by the waves of God. And I felt God say, in that moment, don't step out, but find your anchor. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to make it work. Just find your anchor in God. Okay. The worship team can come up. Well, Eddie can come up. Yeah, no, the whole worship team can come up. And the last thing I want to say to us in this message, and this is very real, is that we have an enemy, and his name is Satan. And we got a warning from Andrew at the beginning of last week saying, he is prowling, and he is taking people out. And we've been, I've been hearing reports all week about what the devil's been doing amongst us. And so I want to say to each of us, as we respond to this word, you've got to understand somebody else is also responding to this word. And so as we celebrate, as we take steps forward, it's a bit like a rugby ball, a rugby game. I've just thrown you the rugby ball. That means there's a target on your back. There's a whole bunch of people looking to take you out. And as you position yourself around each other to take the kingdom forward, there are people that are positioning themselves. There are, there are demons and there's the demonic using themselves, but also using people to position them against us and to be wise. And I felt to warn us that there are going to be schemes of mental anxiety. There are going to be schemes of physical pain and illness. There are going to be schemes of, of time distraction and work. There are going to be schemes of financial strain and your reliable things that you have in your life breaking and needing repair or replacement. And we just need to do what? Remain in Jesus. The answer to life, remain in Jesus. And so that's what we're going to do now. And so to get it started, like I mentioned at the beginning, there is some uh, communion stuff at the back. Maybe we can I ask you quickly just to unpack. Okay.